Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe. And this is Season 4, Episode 5 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. And it's supposed to come out on June 21st, 2021. And uh, today we're going to talk about two of my accidental brewer um, brews. One is called Bell of the Ball and one is called Roast Me. Ricky is trying Bell of the Ball right now. They are both caps, caps, Capsicamel. I think I pronounced that right. Capsicamels. Um, and uh, they're both made from bell pepper. One is a non-roasted bell pepper called Bell of the Ball. And it is 14% ABV. The other one is a roasted bell pepper called uh, Roast Me. And it is a, it was supposed to be a session meat. It actually went a little bit higher ABV to 8.5. So I don't think it's quite a session meat, but it has erythritol in it. It's been back sweetened. Bell the Ball hasn't been back sweetened. So let's get right into um, what you think about them. I don't expect them to be wonderful. In all honesty, I really like Bell the Ball. It's mm. botanical. Yeah. Um, the aroma is amazing. I mean, it smells exactly like a pepper. Bell pepper, right? Yeah. You don't get as much of the flavor. You know, there's definitely some of that greenery in it. It's not very spicy. Um, well, it's not what supposed I, to be spicy because bell peppers aren't. That's why I chose yeah, bell yeah. pepper. What, uh, well, I mean, really, like, it smells like it'd be spicy. But yeah. it isn't when you taste it. Um, what I would do to make this a little bit better, even though I do like it the way it is, is I would throw in maybe some herbs. So I did like, that. Okay. It's, it's got cardamom, cinnamon, and pepper. Okay. Yeah, but I want I want some like green herbs. Give me like maybe some rosemary or some thyme. Or yeah, some thyme. Maybe dill in there would be really good because I'd want to use this almost like you would a botanical spirit, where like you're mixing it with seltzer or something kind of else. Like a tincture. Yeah, a little a bit. Yeah. Um, it's got like I know it's not a uh, it's. Um, Wait, okay, I guess then you said it's not flavored with erythritol. Is it back sweetened? Um, no, that's just the cinnamon is creating okay. the sweetness flavor mixed with the perceived sweetness from the. Um, yeah, and all the and the honey never fully ferments, so it always leaves behind yeah. a little bit of sweetness. But that's that's actually pretty good. I mean, I'm certainly going to finish what I have here. Um, it's one of those flavors you don't get to have a lot. You know, there's not too many people that make really like botanical brews because most people get turned off on it but i mean this would be great mixed in something either kind of light like you know like a seltzer or you can put it in a mixed drink um, kind of like the same place that people generally put like mojitos they yeah. want to get like a couple things like mint in there so maybe like a little bit of ice and instead of like necessarily brewing with some of those um like herbs you actually just like put a couple stalks of those herbs in there let it just sit for a little bit that could be really good I, but i mean I, i've had some capsicum else before um i've had a lot of like pepper beers or pepper ciders and stuff like that and they're generally not very good because they focus on just trying to have some heat to them yep. but the heat doesn't really complement anything um it's a wives tale that alcohol makes hot food go away because while it is true, um, the ethanol will dissolve the molecules of the capsin, um, alcohol sets off the same receptors. So you're yep. just you're picking so you're your just, poison, you're just well, straightening you're just it out. Inflaming those receptors that are already inflamed. Yeah. You're just you you know, you're getting rid of one chemical to just put another one in its place. But this has that like that mild sweetness, that greenness to it. It's not just hey, 
I've got some heat. You actually have some real like pepper flavor in yeah. there. So I tried to, with this one, I tried to really pick up the pepper flavor, mm-hmm. but I was trying to get some of that vegetal yeah. like um, ness out of the greenness to go away. Uh, and so with this one, I got rid of the seeds because I was hoping that that mm-hmm. would get rid of some of that vegetalness. But I think what I learned is keeping the seeds in a bell pepper is actually not bad because it gives you some of those oils and yeah. adds some of that flavor. But what you really need to do is go a different direction to, to tone down some of that vegetalness. And I think also I chose a wildflower honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe I should have chosen a buckwheat honey or um, something like that. I mean, the same thing yeah. with my coffee melts. like a honey that is more meaty i guess is the best way to say Mm -hmm. it it's it's less um focused on the sweetness and more focused on like the earthiness of what it gets from the the, maybe yeah so so most most sugars have the same and it's really i'll I'll make maybe have a little rant about that they all have about the same sweetness content yeah um now viscosity varies greatly which is one of the things that's hard about using honey um, especially when you try and use like calculators online because they try and aim for the middle but i've gotten like particularly watery honey or particular thick honey and that like changes all these ratios you got to be aware of but i actually think i probably like the wildflower in this because i think that's distracting from some of that straight like vegetalness to it like it's not just hey there's some pepper in here but there's like some floral notes to this that you get out of wildflower honey that I yeah. think go really well with it. Okay. Well, so what I'm thinking about doing next is trying to make a coffee melt mm-hmm. with uh, some buckwheat honey. I was thinking about doing the roasted bell pepper, which we haven't tried yet, in mm-hmm. the same way, but doing it with some buckwheat. Because I think that the roasted bell pepper is an evolution of this okay. right here. And maybe I should go ahead and I'll try the roasted one. Yeah, yeah, you totally should. Now, what I was going for Ooh. for this one, which didn't end up happening, was to have a lower ABV, but get some of the pepper flavors, get the, the less vegetalness, but more of like the actual, because it's the same thing. It's a green bell pepper and get more of like the pepper, like what you'd get, like if you had like a bell pepper, stuffed bell pepper. Because mm-hmm. that's the, the flavor I was going to. Yeah. So get some, so a little bit of spice, a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of um, you know peppercorn in there, and but not be spicy in the sense of heat. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, they're two very different drinks. You're right. the The roasted one really does take a step back from like the flavor of the pepper, like the flesh of the pepper. You're right. Um, but it does still hit some decent, like the heating notes. Yeah. Um, and you do still taste all those spices in it. It's got a really great smell. Like, I mean, you can just smell the smoke on it and it's got a little bit of that flavor in there. Um, the sweetness is a little much for me. And I think that's because I'm, I'm particularly sensitive to most artificial sweeteners. But, um, well, it's not an artificial sweetener. There's no artificial. Well, okay. I should say a sugar substitute. Yeah. Like things, all all the sugar substitutes, I always find a little bit too sweet. Uh, but that's just a personal preference. But in all honesty, I think your idea of get a meatier honey for the smoked one makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because you don't have as much of that vegetal flavor to pull back on and say, look, I want some herbs in here. But something with a really nice, like, earthy body to that, that kind of gets you more into that rugged I'm out at a campfire sort of ambiance I, I could really see working well with that and they're both lightly carbonated mm-hmm. so um, the 
the roast meat is um, one that I put in the fridge mm-hmm. to let it set. It doesn't have as much tannin or legs to it um, as the Bell of the Ball does. Yeah. Of course, the Bell of the Ball is also several ABV higher. It's hard to get legs on something that's less than 8%. Well, but also I didn't put the same ingredients in it. So the, mm-hmm. there, there wouldn't be the availability of the legs and tannin in roast meat as there is. In- yeah, not the tannins, but the legs is purely ethanol, isn't it? It's not all. It's oils. So the, I don't have as, there's not as many things to give the oils to. Yeah, I guess, I yeah, there, there are any, some oils to it. But yeah, it's mostly any, ethanol. Like, cinnamon sticks or anything like that. And you draw mm-hmm. the oil out of the cinnamon. Uh, and into the the, uh, the the brew, so uh, I def I, I I'm loving the caps. So I thought I would like kind of hate the capsicum mm. mel journey more because I've never really had a brew that was a capsicum mel yeah. capsicum that I loved. Mm. Um, but I'm finding that more enjoyable and more exploratory than the coffee mail journey. Yeah. Well, on. I think you're taking the right approach to it because like the real issue most people take with it, um, including some of those people that you sent me that you, you were basing your recipes off of is they're choosing things like chilies and hotter peppers. Yep. And those don't create as good an environment for the yeast to grow in. So they're getting off flavors. They're getting heat from the chemical process and not necessarily heat from the pepper itself. That has led to a lot of them saying, oh, this isn't bad, but it's not what I was expecting. But, you know, getting down to earth and saying, look, I'm not trying to make this like a habanero mead and just make it really spicy. And I just want to, exactly you said, I want to embrace the pepper as it is when I eat it. Right. When it's like a stuffed pepper or it's part of a dish, I think is the better direction because those juices are not high in sugar. So, you know, just like the juice from an apple is what gives it most of its apple flavor. The juice from the green pepper is what gives the green pepper most of its flavor. And that stuff is not going to ferment out as much. Nope. So if you have it in there, you're going to get more of those flavors because uh, the yeast will be able to process. You don't have to go as far as like, oh, I'm going to throw it full of jalapenos and make that really spicy brew that maybe once it gets to a decent ABV, that's just too hostile an environment for the yeast to keep going. And, you know, as we've talked about a lot, if you stress your yeast, you're going to get off flavors. So, you know, make that nice, you know, homey environment like you have. And I think they've worked out both really well. I I, I love the smell of the roasted. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a great it aroma. They both have great smells. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I, I cannot describe through a podcast how like interesting this is this is one of those things i've, I've had a couple of both uh the, well mm-hmm. I, this is the first time I've, I've drank the roast meat but i've had a couple of the bell of the ball and and i made a serrano and i made a mm-hmm. jalapeno and i did the same sort of thing i wasn't going for spicy i was going for the flavor of the pepper and i have been very like interested in just exploring those flavors that come mm-hmm. out I want to do that again, and I think I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to end up making a mixed blend that mm-hmm. is, like, I make a couple of different ones, and then I start mixing the wines together, yep. and then once I get them, like, to the ratio I like, I might make a three-gallon batch of one, a two-gallon batch of the other, and a gallon batch of the final, and then, like, kind of mix them all together and get a mixed caps capsicum out. So, that's kind of the direction that's going. Okay. Um, let's talk about the Ubiquity Breach. So you did some research on this. I Tell did. me what you think about it. I, I'm a little sad about it because I'll admit, um, 
it didn't get enough headline, I guess, when it really happened to distract me from the other stuff that was happening that part of the year. So I, I hadn't really heard about it until I looked it up. And it really, it, it screams to me some of the worst parts of big tech. Mm-hmm. So they had a security breach. I don't think anyone can fault them for that bit. If you extrapolate how it happened, where they were vulnerable, I think we live in a world that cyber attacks are so common that you you can't look at someone and say, oh, you had a security breach, you're a bad company. Yeah, you just become um, numb to it at some point. Yeah, well, at, at some point, when we're moving to this cloud stuff, and like we talked about this a couple of years ago, as you're moving more stuff in the cloud, it's becoming more vulnerable. These things are going to happen. Uh, but to find out that, at least claimed, you know, Ubiquity has not denied any of the stuff, uh, but they haven't, that's also kind of a little bit telling that a big company hasn't come out and denied any of the things that happened. Yeah, there's um, a lot of reasons that can happen, though, too. And it may not be that they're they're hiding anything. I mean, I'm not being the devil's advocate. Yeah, this, no, I saying. get what you mean. Not, yeah. not all claims are accurate. And um, sometimes it's not worth the hassle to go out and fight those things because it's not causing you any problems. Like, yeah. Well, certain things I think that got said would be very easy for them to prove weren't true. Right. Uh, they haven't, which is a little bit telling to me. But from, from my research, the proposed story of what happened is it was one of their admins who got hacked initially. Mm-hmm. Um, their last pass contained uh, basically all of their admin passwords the, that were used in their AWS system. And so essentially everything in the AWS system was compromised. Um, anything you were running through Ubiquity that went through AWS was potentially monitored, accessed, all those passwords could have been leaked. Yeah, and, and, and it wasn't so much that they got hacked because LastPass, as far as I know, even though I'm trying to move away from it, has never had like an actual breach of its system. They leaked their master password. Yeah, yeah, it's not like someone hacked into LastPass to get to them. They got access to the admin's local machine and got through it that way. Right. Um, And that was really scary. To on one level, there's claims that oh, they downplayed the breach to save stock value, and who knows if that's true. But that's you can believe it, and to a certain extent, that is one of the issues with big tech is there's a lot of uh, connection to the shareholders and less to the customers. Um, the bigger thing that worried me is that that actually worked potentially. If we're saying that that's how the hack happened, that they got into somebody's last pass and from there they were able to get into everything just really screams bad digital security to me. Mm-hmm. Why, why is ubiquity not enforcing a good multi-factor authentication sort of setup or why aren't they, you know, requiring hard tokens or something that can't be hacked as easily. The idea that somebody's password leaks and now your entire, you know, million device environment is compromised is a really scary thought for a a big tech company to have. It is. And they, and they, there's something wonky there. I'm not sure that the story holds up because they have the ability for to use multi-factor authentication with their stuff. And the things that were supposedly hacked, um, like in the way that they were said to be hacked, also were supposed to use multi-factor authentication. But let's suppose, uh, you know, because I don't know the true story. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not that's true. It's all down to just what is being reported in the news. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, and, and there, there could be some people that are out there like, you know, I know more about this. Uh, so what what does 
that say to you about using the products? I would have to do more research than I've done to see how much that holds water. If it really does look like that's what happened, that a pass, the master password got leaked and then all this backend access was available, I, I would be a little bit concerned because the lack of security protocol there almost reads like a bad, like, buddy cop sort of thing. It's uh, and hear me out here. How often have you heard this? You're watching a movie or like a CSI or something like that. They go to the, the hacker on the dark web to help them out. They slap a couple things on their keyboard and they say, I'm in, I've got access to every router they've ever shipped all over the world. <laughs> like it just sounds like must mustache twisty. I mean, if that's what happened, you know, if that's, well, that's maybe what I want to see from Ubiquity. I, I, is, I, I know some facts that they couldn't have access to every router that they've ever shipped all over the world because, number one, the only way that they would be able to get someone else's account information is being able to go in if they don't have multi-factor authentication set up for accessing their system and if they're, they didn't change their password. Yeah, but that's also implying that Ubiquity doesn't have backends to their well, devices. They, but they don't. You have to have you have to have the cloud key to be able to do that. I mean, that's like uh, known. Well, I I'd, I'd probably challenge that. And in a sense of they may say that, but there was, if you remember, a real big stink, um, maybe four or five years ago, that it came out that both Microsoft and Apple had backdoors purposely in the OS that mm -hmm. customers and events couldn't access that they put there for things like uh, their own admins and law enforcement. I absolutely understand that and know that that's true. But the, as far as I know from, from what I understand and doing my own like research into this and trying to access the ubiquity systems are basically based off of Linux. And so any, like backdoor that would exist in a Linux system would exist. As far as I know, there aren't any in that system. But do they use like open source? You can get access to it, Linux, yeah. or do they have their own version of it? No, it's just open source. You can get access. You can actually get to the command line on these routers. And yeah, like but that also, I mean, that doesn't them. mean no, it's can, open source. I'm saying you can audit the the OS okay. and stuff like that. Um, the The big problem is, is that the cloud key... The cloud key uses your UI account if you're using a cloud key. And that has to be stored on their system. And you can get remote access from the cloud key. So with this breach, if you didn't like change your password or you didn't enable multi-factor authentication, you didn't already have that set up, um, then if you're using one of their cloud keys, like the dream machine has or something like that, then mm. that can allow people to have a backdoor outside of the, the system where if you were hosting your own version of the controller software on your, on like some equipment that you have, then it's not tied to your um, cloud key account. Or your yeah. UI account. Yeah. That was kind of also my understanding of it is that it was only their cloud enable services yeah. that were hacked. Um, which frankly for me, I don't know. And this kind of goes back to a, a conversation we had a long time ago about networking going into the cloud. And that's, that is the thing I'm most concerned about is anything you put up in the cloud is innately less secure yep. than something you run local. 
Now, granted, you know, the number one security threat is generally the own admins. You know, you fire somebody and they release a password. It's it's human stuff at the base level that's always the biggest threat. Yep. So I get that that part doesn't change. But making all of your stuff internet accessible, you don't only have just like a single entryway through like your DMZ or something like that. Um, innately puts it at larger risk. That is the way that we're going as a it, as a, it is a, as a uh, society, as a technological uh, group of people that mm. do these sort, sort of things. That's the way we're going. Uh, places, uh, things like uh, you know Zscaler and stuff like that already yeah. exist that basically do that. Um, yeah, and people want that because they want to they want the convenience and the ease over the security. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that there there are some obvious positives. To, to cloud computing and cloud networking. Um, people just don't talk enough about the negatives. But I guess to, to your point, you said, well, that changed my opinion on using the product. Um, I don't think at this point, knowing what I know, it would. But it would make me a bit more cautious and like pay attention a little bit more. Because I missed this the first time. And this was not a hard thing for me to research mm-hmm. once I knew it was there. Yep. So I think that for me... I'll just be paying a little bit more attention to Ubiquity headlines for like a little while. So, you know, and you don't really use Ubiquity stuff in your home, mm-hmm. but I do. Yeah. Uh, but my, my network is set up with it. Um, it's a fact that I've put out on this podcast multiple times. Um, I mean, I, I changed my password and I did all this other stuff. And I've, I've got some things that secure my account to make it less vulnerable um, to those things. And I'm not going to say how it's because I want to keep myself secure for the most part. Um, <clears throat> but there is a convenience to being able to get into an app on my phone and see when a device is not working Yeah, and, be, and being able to do that. And it is a very worthwhile convenience and the granularity that you have with ubiquity's stuff. Um, rival something like Meraki for a tenth or maybe even mm-hmm. an 18th of the price, depending on what you're going to. And with some new features that are higher than what you would get with like a Meraki or something like that. And I love Meraki stuff. Like it is time and place appropriate um, to have there. It beats out things like Ruckus. And um, so there, there's another one that's Honeycomb or, uh, something like that, um, but that they, there's there there are some other like small office, medium size like mm-hmm. prosumer kind of stuff that I think Ubiquity just like does better. Uh, seems. That, that I, I I can't say that Microtik is uh, worse than U- Ubiquity or better. They they have some advantages. I've thought about putting some Microtik switches in my home network, but one of the problems with Microtik is I don't have access when I'm away from home and I need yeah. to have my network back up. And my network is one of those things that I try to keep up, you know, I wouldn't say 99.99, but definitely 99% of the time. Yeah. My network does stay up. Like I keep it, I keep it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it didn't stop me from using their equipment. It, 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 it like you, it just makes me think I need to be a little bit more conscientious of what they're doing. Um, but, I mean, every every service I've ever used has had breaches. Yeah. Amazon, um, 
And, and you say, oh, no, well, no, Amazon never has. AWS has breaches all the time. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you um, can subdivide a company to the point you say, this one piece has never yeah, had a breach, but right. the company's had a breach. Google's had breaches. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them all of them have had breaches. Apple's had, like, breaches and problems. Um, and Microsoft, you know, they, they've all done it. And to the, to the effect that their breaches have not affected me as bad as things like the um, breaches that came from the credit monitoring companies yeah, or something yeah. like that. So I'm, I am, I'm concerned about those things. I'm not excusing them. Uh, I'm not a fanboy. If something came along, I've invested in this home network, but if something came along that was better, I would ditch it and buy that equipment mm. and just resell this stuff. You know, like I don't, I'm not, I'm not blind to it, but that said, I bought a dream machine pro. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it has taken over my network and now I have the beginnings of my 10 gig network in my home. Okay. I got two gigs to my house through Google fiber, uh, which is awesome. And, uh, I can't like say enough about how much having that extra bandwidth is great, but I can't take full um, advantage of it quite yet. Uh, however, uh, my dream machine is set up to be that 2.5, it's actually 2.5 gigs, mm. but my dream machine is set up to be able to connect and take advantage from the Google mo- modem. I would love to get rid of the Google modem um, and just have the dream machine directly connected, but I haven't gotten that to work yet. Yeah. Uh, and because my family uses the network, I can't take it down when they're here. Exactly. Yeah. Do you, well, do you spoke on the Google modem? Do you actually have a modem through them, or yeah. do you just have the connector well, box? It's a so, it's it's not a modem, it's a router that connects via fiber, and so it has a fiber connection in. It's a ONT, um, and it uses a ten gig connection that only receives two point five gigs of bandwidth. Yeah, yeah. You're, you've you've got the same sort of. Wall-mounted DMARC thing, right? Or do it's you not wall-mounted. It's like a big oh, really? space station. Looking okay, thing. interesting. Yeah, mine is. When they installed mine, I've got literally like in the wall, um, the router is connected on the other side. It's like a, a big little base. That's the way it used to be. Okay. It's not the way it is now. Gotcha. The, the new modem is like, uh, do, do you remember the clear um, uh, Netgear? The, the, those oh yeah, yeah 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 it looks like a giant like a giant version of that okay it's like it's like this obul- ocular mm-hmm. like kind of round thing yeah it looks like an egg but with a flat top and a flat bottom okay yeah um it's it's a neat little thing and i can control it through my fiber app mm-hmm. and i can do all sorts of stuff with it but there's three things i can't do one i don't have as granular of a firewall permission mm-hmm. that i want to do on it and two i don't have vlans Okay, and for yeah, me, yeah. it is absolutely important to have my security stuff on one VLAN and mm. have my other stuff on another. And I, I don't want them to mix. And I'm even like moving off some of my um, like assistant and stuff like that mm. stuff. Um, some of my IoT devices, I want to yeah, put them yeah. on their own VLAN. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, because of convenience, I've kept some of those things on the same VLAN. Yeah. Um, but I eventually want to move them off to something else and get some routing set up to where it's just available one way mm-hmm. to, to the yeah. other VLAN. Yeah, because that's another that area of where all these breaches happen is those IoT devices, man. People love them. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't really have my – IoT, my IoT devices are not as 
like it's not like an internet connected microwave. Yeah. I just have a couple light bulbs. Yeah. Things like that. Your stuff is pretty good. And you buy good brands, you keep up with it. Yeah. I just still remember to uh that story that made the news a year or two ago that was a casino got hacked and lost a lot of money yep. because of the thermostat in the fish tank or something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the Dream Machine Pro like basically has like all, all of its one gig connections mm-hmm. on it are on a same chip. Um, the, the advantage of it is that it has two 10 gig connections, one that's a WAN and one that's a, a LAN connection mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so I can route those to like a switch and then have, when I buy my 10 gig switch, I'll just have 10 gig fiber out to the whole house. Yeah. Um, or I'll do cat six a and use a fiber. Uh, I'll, I'll get a fiber switch, but I'll use a, a fiber to, um, copper module. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 the base thing that's just so awesome about this is I have, my key my security and if i wanted to do like the talk or the access so now unify does uh like um power plugs that you could use like through iot and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so i can i have one of my beacons that doesn't always connect like when it gets a little bit of interference it'll drop i can reboot it remotely now okay yeah stuff like that is awesome yeah yeah. And, and when I say reboot, I mean like cut the power to it via the plug that's plugged into the back of it. Yeah, the good way to do reboot. Yeah, yeah, not the bad way. The secure way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the Dream Machine Pro. It's pretty awesome. You got any questions about it or anything like that? No, but probably once I'm over here, I'll look, I'll look it over. Well, I mean, you're, it's just in that closet right there. And that's I showed true, it to you the last time you were, we're here. Oh, okay, okay. It's the same device. All right, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty awesome. I the the Google two gig two gig fiber is pretty awesome too. Um, I highly suggest it for anyone that can do multi gig in the home. Yeah. And I mean that's basically what I'm building right now is a multi gig network in my home. I cannot wait to have two gig or two point five gig connectivity or ten gig connectivity to my Plex server. Mm-hmm. That is going to be so awesome. Yeah. To be able to stream. I mean it's already pretty fast with one gig, but. To be able to move large files around and stuff mm-hmm. like that, it's going to be amazing. Um, you got anything else to say about that? No, I think I'm good. All right. Well, this has been Season 4, Episode 5 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We have social media links down below. I'll include some links to things like the Dream Machine Pro and stuff like that, but um, you guys probably should consider building out your network properly before you buy something like that. Uh, I've already, I'd already designed mine and uh, mm-hmm. being an architect, I kind of understand what I'm getting into. It's a, it's a home network, but there is some complexity to it. So not encouraging anyone to buy a dream machine pro and always I'm not, we're not affiliated with anything. Uh, we are starting back up, uh, our Patreon so that you guys can, um, you know, contribute to the growth of the podcast if you'd like to. Otherwise, thanks so much for listening. Have a nice day.